welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns and today is the 9th of July 2020. For anybody who is not a subscriber of our magazine, YPN, please click the link in the show notes for your free copy. Today we have Bernadette and Ian Lloyd with us. Hi guys. Hi there. So your article has just gone out in the magazine and you've been very busy during lockdown. So do you want to tell us about about yourselves, your background, and then let's get into what you've been up to because you've been very busy (laughs) in lockdown. Sounds very exciting. Tell us all about it. So uh, we've been involved in property since back in 2004 um, when we had our sort of first bike let by accident um, so we moved at the time from where we were living in Poole um, which was a very nice place to live but quite difficult to get in and out and we decided to move to Southampton because uh, I was traveling a lot at the time we were both in corporate jobs at the time and um, I was traveling all over Europe and wherever and it was it was quite difficult um, just getting in and out of um, Poole so we decided to move uh, closer to the airport so we uh, um, moved to Southampton um, and we, as a result, got our first buy to let, and and quite liked the fact that we did we didn't have to do anything. We had an agent uh, at the time because we knew didn't know any different. Um, and each month um, we used to get the money come in, and thought that was quite good. And at the time, that was probably as far as we went with it. But then over time, we wanted to do more with property. We started as a way to, um, I guess, um, plan for the future, um, you know, more more into our pension. Um, but we also started to become more and more disillusioned with uh, the jobs we were doing. We were traveling apart, so we spent longer apart than we did together, which oh, wasn't okay. really great. Okay. And we were getting, I guess, less and less satisfied with um, the contributions we were able to make in the environment. It was just, it just become quite um, you know, a lot of red tape and a lot of dissatisfaction. So we were looking for a way out, and we were quite interested in property and decided to go down that route, although... Um, we didn't go very quickly. So we, we had the first property in 2004. We then did a little bit of, um, little bit of education, um, not much, but uh, managed then to buy a couple of um, single flats in Southampton. But still, you know, it was, it was there at the back of our minds, but we were suffering in the corporate world. And uh, I think it takes quite a lot of, um, sometimes a lot to make you, make you change. Mm. Um, and our frustration had to get to quite a large level before we, we decided the time was right. Um, we started to go to various property meetings and then decided um, that the time had come, which was around, what, 2008? Well, t- 2007, I um, stopped corporate work. So I, I had my notice in and um, we took on a franchise which was handling property insurance claims. So, okay. um, and, you know, uh, wanting to focus on stuff, you know, follow one course until successful. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we followed that while continuing to go to the PIN meetings, etc. cetera. Um, uh, and it wasn't until 2013 that I took the plunge to actually go and do Mastermind. So we sold the franchise and used the money from that to actually go on, on to Mastermind. So what was the, you know, when did things change? What was the point at which you decided, okay, enough's enough, um, the properties for us? Because a lot of people, you know, they've got one buy to let, it's a pretty standard kind of, uh you know landlord most of the landlords mm. in the country have just got one buy to let that they've inherited or they've taken along on the journey but most people don't go right okay let's just do a left turn here and, and go off on a different track so mm. what could kind of give you that confidence to just make that decision 
I think there's two things really. One, one was the fact that we, by then, we had a couple of vitalettes, so we could see the money coming in, and, right. and and then building on the frustration we were finding in the business, uh, in the corporate right. world. Um, but I think the fact that we both had a shared vision, we both wanted to do it, meant that we could back each other up. Um, I can I can imagine if you if you're on your own trying to do this, um, make this kind of decision, and and there's no support or nobody to bounce that off or whatever, then then I can imagine how difficult that could be. Um, but we we wanted the same thing. We wanted more time together. We wanted to go and and try something a bit different. Um, even though, you know, we had very high salaries, um, which was you know the probably the stumbling block that meant it took us so long to get to that point was you know how do we replace such a high income? But I think we finally got to that realization of um, you only you're only here once, and you know and to spend that time just worrying about money and and being unhappy in what you're doing and not being fulfilled and everything else, um, it just you know we just got to that point saying that's enough, and that's when we came up with the um, a phase plan. So for Bernadette left corporate world first. Um, I drew the short straw and had to stay a bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, and then the plan was that we would get the franchise business up and running. And then uh, fairly soon afterward, hopefully, um, uh, I would then leave and, and then we'd um, grow the franchise business even further. Um, however, even though we thought the franchise business was recession proof, um, it turned out not to be the case. So whilst it was a great model, um, when the recession hit, um, sort of 2000, 2008, there was a lot of builders and other people, tradespeople on the market who were just undercutting us everywhere. And um, in conjunction, insurance companies were not paying out on time or they would settle directly. And as a result, you know, the, the business um, just just wasn't profitable. So we, okay. we had to make um, a fairly painful decision to exit that um, and then focus much more on, on the investment side. So. Yeah. Uh, we got we got some positives out there. So we got quite a lot of learning in terms of um, you know how to look at a house and the refurb requirements and damp and all that. And lots of specifics out of it. So there's lots of positives, but it didn't didn't pan out the way we we thought it would. But again, we put it down to a learning and, and moved on rather yeah. than worry about right. what it was. Yeah, so. I d- I just want to pick up on a point you made before because it's really important that sometimes people think okay they have to replace their income and you know, that's not always the case. Like you said, that if you can work out your expenses, Mm -hmm. then sometimes that can be a very different number and you can get to that number a lot quicker and it's a lot more achievable and you're more likely to kind of take action because you think, okay, I can see how that happens. That can happen to get to that point. And it's more encouraging. You get the momentum, but then you just think, well, you know, like you said, what are we doing it all for? Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, if that means that we can have a good income, it might not be the income we had, but actually it's good and we get all of the free time and we Absolutely. get everything else we yeah. want, then it's worth it. So yeah. um, great. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing. Um, well, a lot, okay, a lot, so- and a lot of it's around, you know, a lot, we spend a lot of time on our own mindset as well, particularly converting in a way from the corporate world into the more entrepreneurial world. It's, you know, it's, it's seen as I think people view that as a quite easy transition, but it but it's not. You know, you yeah, go into yeah. a world where you're spoon fed and told what to do effectively, even yep. with some degree of autonomy, into a world where suddenly you've got to make all the decisions. So, Absolutely. Um, so that that mindset we've had to work on and still work on. You know, it doesn't stop. So we we continue to work on that that space, um, and and our approach to money was was part of that. You know, because you you know you you you're almost become transfixed with. 
the income and the bonuses and whatever. And, yes. and then when you stand back and say, well, how much do we really need? Yeah. It's a lot less. And, um, and, and we had to get to that point and say, okay, when, when can we sort of take the decision? So, you know, cause you're never going to be at exactly the right point. Um, so enough, enough. That, yeah. Absolutely. So we had to make that decision. Okay, now is the right time. We, we, we've got enough to survive. And, and I think you need a little bit of incentive to, to push you on anyway. And I think if you had too, if you had, if you're comfortable, then would that drive you to achieve what you want to achieve? So, um, but you can probably talk about the, uh, the first phase of the goals then. So what happened next then? <laughs> so, so um, mastermind for me was a, was a, a turning point from, from mainly from a mindset and support perspective rather than knowledge about the property, but obviously the property knowledge was there as well. Um, so focused on that year and just trying to learn as much as we can. Um, and we took on um, three rent to rent. So I worked with, um, with another masterminder to get all of that, that learning. Um, and then um, for the year afterwards, um, we, I had the opportunity to actually, um, so I'm a lord from on the wealth dynamics profile. So for me to stand up and speak in front of you know a room full of people was a big challenge. But I had set myself the target to um, to be able to speak at a pin meeting. Um, and so in the January after we'd finished or I'd finished mastermind, um, I had the opportunity to do the um, coach or the you know the set the goals etc. for the year with um, with Simon's um, presentation material. Um, and one of one of the challenges there was to to say what goals that we were going to set for the next year. Um, and I knew we needed five HMOs in order to be able to make the decision for Ian to leave his job. And I thought, well, that's not really a big, fat, hairy goal. I mean, yes, it's, it's a big goal. Um, but again, through uh, partly through the Lord side and also the corporate side, you know, you set these goals and you achieve these goals. So what would happen if I set a goal that I might not achieve? You know, there was a big mindset leap there. So I stood up in front of um, a couple of PIM meetings and said, right, we're going to get 10 HMOs this year. Wow. <laughs> and then <laughs> had the opportunity the following January to go back and do the next year's um, presentation. Uh, and we actually had um, five HMOs and four other properties wow. as a result of all of the work that we'd done wow. through that through that year. So That's and fantastic. I although I didn't get the 10 and initially that was a bit of a disappointment. You know, I look back on it and I said, well, actually we didn't need 10, we needed five and we got the five and yeah. we, we had four extra properties. So actually I'd done more than I wanted um, to get through that. So and who knows if you'd have aimed for five, you might've got three. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that is, yeah, that's what we say to our coaches over and yeah. over again. You know, you need to set it beyond what you need, you know? Yeah. Uh, absolutely um and I, I just want to pick up for people who don't know about wealth dynamics and the lords it sounds a bit funny if you don't know um yeah, but it's, it's like a personality test isn't it that's very common within uh property circles so if you don't know it go check it out it's called wealth dynamics and different personality profiles include so one of them's called the knit the, the label is a lord and it's more um people who are the lord uh personas are more detail oriented focused on the the numbers and the analysis side of things um so i don't know if you can tell but i'm on the opposite side i'm like a creator <laughs> so a bit kind of like you know um like engaging in um uh, in networking and all full of ideas but um yeah i just thought i'd drop that in then so um, ian what are you i'm a mechanic creator so i sort of um uh, i like to make things better 
<laughs> that's a great that's a great mix isn't it with you yeah. two there so um you want like a different skill set that's otherwise yeah. if you get two of the same you, you know it's it's much harder to navigate <laughs> and, it's, and it's great to understand because it, it when we went through that process of under, you know of going through the test and everything else it makes you really understand and you go oh yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah. um but you also have to know what you know where the limits are as well so you know because you know knowing that you know what what I like is to make things better is great, but you, you also have to know when to stop. Yeah. Otherwise, it just drives you insane and the people around you. So, <laughs> well, it sounds like you haven't stopped. You've just carried on and um, pl- <laughs> yeah. ploughed on with the the portfolio. So, at that point, you had the nine properties. Uh, where are we then? What year? Twenty fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, as part of that process, we'd actually moved then, or during that process, we moved from England back to Wales, or I moved back to Wales. Right. Um, so we. We had an opportunity to go and live in a kind of location with a development that our own development that we wanted to do. Okay. Um, and that was almost the start of, you know, finding a new area and a new, a new investment area and, and, you know, and then going for the goals that Bernadette spoke about. So, so we, then we sort of continued to build the portfolio in Wales and effectively that broke the back of it. You know, that allowed me to, you know, to leave as well right. and, you know, and then to do more. So we've been, able then to grow the portfolio beyond that do bigger bigger uh, hmos and bigger projects so i think prior to lockdown we were up to um how many properties? 21. 21 properties i think wow. um and but a lot more units in terms of uh, you know from a hmo perspective so eight hmos in that in that portfolio right yeah prior to lockdown yeah yeah and then so, we and we we've probably done it We've used every kind of strategy there is, whether it's a, a purchase or a purchase lease option, a delayed completion. Um, you know, we've Probably done works, right? all of it. And, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't always recommend you do all of them, particularly not at once. But it's um, you know, we we definitely came from the um, side of looking for a motivated person and then finding a win-win, um, and then happy to use whatever scenario worked. So, absolutely, it's just having those tools in the toolkit. And uh, and then whichever one's appropriate, you use that one. So, yeah. Um, okay, so we speed up now to just before lockdown, and the world's going mad. But you guys, um, you found a portfolio. So tell mm. us about that. Did that happen before lockdown, and you had to get it through, or did that happen during? Yeah, we 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 found it. Um, we we found a lot of our deals using landlord letters. So um, so you know they do work, and we do get we do coach people who, who don't seem to think they do work, but uh, oh, we managed to grow a lot of our portfolio using letters. And we happened to um, get contacted by somebody who lived away from the area, had a small portfolio of what well, three properties, twenty units, um, and they were um disillusioned i guess they they were getting quite a few voids because they let the quality go down and effectively they ended up in a downward spiral so they they had less money they invested very little and therefore the voids started increasing so they wanted or he wanted to get out um but he was he was constrained by his his finance agreement so we spent quite a lot of time looking at different ways of structuring the deal um and you know and that you know when you're talking talking to because not all landlords are investors so they they might own properties but that doesn't mean they're necessarily uh, that um, up to date on what the different strategies to purchase and control properties are so you then go through quite a lengthy exercise you know, talking about what is a purchase lease option and what is a delayed completion 
and dispelling some of the myths around some of the strategies, you know, because generally people think if you have a delayed completion, then you have to compete very quickly. Well, you know, we've got one delayed completion, which is on, I think, a, a 12-year delayed completion. So it's, oh. you know, it, it's really, you know, what you agree with the vendor a lot of the time. Um, so we went through lots of these different discussions and um, possibilities and because he was tied into a very specific finance agreement across all three, three of his properties, um, we, were, we were very limited in what we could do in order to get a win for him. So eventually, um, we agreed on a deal where we would buy it. We'd have a, like a, a three-month delay in the completion, um, again, driven partly by his, um, his finance settlement process. Um, and we agreed that just be, well, not long before lockdown. So um, we were building the plans where we would go, because we, we decided to finance all three properties separately to give us more flexibility in the future. So if then we decided to offload or refinance or whatever, then we wouldn't have to um, go through one company, you know, potentially look at early redemption charges and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we, with, we knew it would be a little more work because we'd have to deal with multiple parties in order to process, but we thought you know, we'd have plenty of time to work through that. So we got to exchange um, before lockdown, and then what we had planned, and this was always part of the big picture, is that we were going to take a month out. So you know, part of the, the grand plan, if you like, was to travel more. Um, so we'd planned this uh, vacation uh, for the month of February. So we were going off to... Singapore, Thailand, Australia, and whatever, and we weren't going to worry about this because we'd got it to a stage where we'd exchanged, and then we had plenty of time when we come back in order to sort through the the finance, um, get the you know the the uh, necessary mortgages or whatever in place, and then complete. And that's that's when it started to get a bit challenging. So, wow! So you didn't manage? Did you manage to get away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah you we, did we, your we holiday. Gosh, that was good, wasn't it? Wow. Okay, and then and then you had to come back to the big mess of sorting it all out. Yes. Wow. So we so, had an amazing vacation, and there was everything wow. that we thought of. So, and I think we went in the because we went Singapore, Thailand first, and then I think they started to get not so much hit the lockdown, but it was getting much tighter there. When we hit Australia, we went wow. to Adelaide, and I don't think Adelaide had heard of it when we got there. So it was wow. um, um, it was fine for the. Um, just two weeks, two weeks we were in Adelaide. So, Amazing. so we had a, we had an awesome time, and then we came back to effectively to lockdown, and um, oh that's when it, it got really difficult, and that's when we had to get creative. So, so tell us about the projects then. So they're they're blocks of freehold flats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, um, yeah, there's there's three of them. Um, they two of them are classed as HMOs because of when they were converted, but all of them are um, single units within there. So, you know, there's six in one, nine in another, and five in the third. So, um, all in different stages of repair. So, uh, we knew that one of them needed quite a lot of work, um, and one we thought would get away with not having to do some work for a period of time. So. Um, at the time that we were discussing and before lockdown, they were, I would say, probably 70 or 80% full. But by the time we actually came to complete, we, we were down to about, well, I think we've got 13 of them are occupied um, okay. at completion. So, And the strategy here is to buy and hold for the long term and keep mm-hmm. them as they are. So keep them as individual yeah. uh, self-contained. Yeah, they're all, they're all one bed flats okay. so they're all completely self-contained all the all the utilities and everything like that oh, right. okay wow. um 
Uh, I think from a size perspective, some you know, you wouldn't actually be able to do a leasehold, you know, freehold to leasehold conversion on them really, because uh, some of them are, uh, would not be mortgageable in their own, you know, in their own right. Yeah, I think it's an important point because it's the first question people tend to ask because it's that, you know, the golden strategy of taking the freehold and, and splitting all the titles. So mm -hmm. it's a, uh, you convert it to the leaseholds yeah. and it just doesn't work sometimes it just doesn't no, make any financial either logistically you can't do it because the units are too small and you can't get a mortgage on them or it just financially doesn't work and if you if you're buying to hold anyway then well you don't need to you exactly. don't need to no, yeah so it's no. only if you're actually selling them off individually that you do that um but uh, tell me did the um the fact that the there were more voids did that affect the valuation did they take into account the rental income for a commercial valuation or no because we were going with three separate um mortgage companies in effect so the one that needed all the work was one that was going to be um through a bridge because you know, it's the best way of, of funding that one um and the other two were with um uh, hmo type mortgages um or slightly more commercial mortgages right. um however uh one of them, when they did their valuation on the property, said that there was too much damp in there and they wouldn't give us the mortgage. So mm -hmm. during lockdown, we had to find somebody that would actually take mm -hmm. that on. Um, and what we didn't want to do was to bridge with two companies, the same two mortgage broke uh, companies. Um, so we had to go back to one of our investors and see if they would um, would help us out as well at the last minute. So there were multiple <laughs> challenges as we went through the process and uh, you, you know out, outside of lockdown they, they're quite big challenges yeah. but then when you're into lockdown and you know, your options are restricted restricted then you think you know you, you could easily you know give up i guess or hit the spare button or whatever but you know at the end of the day you just got to find a solution but there's still you know there's still a possibility of it working nothing's actually gone wrong as such it's just hasn't gone to plan and it just hasn't yeah. gone to plan a but therefore okay now plan b plan c plan d but absolutely um, yeah yeah because we, we ended up having to deal with um multiple solicitors and uh, through mm -hmm. this process so you know we had each of the mortgage companies uh, three finance companies effectively had solicitors we had our own solicitor oh no um, sounds awful so, yeah. So all these solicitors and some of the companies were furloughing their staff um, oh. and, and then they'd be, you know, generally you have to, you know, you go in and sign papers and you, know, you, you sign documents all over the place. So, you know, we, we had to get creative and to be fair, you know, a number of the solicitors are, did become flexible. So uh, in some cases they would hand their caseload over to the remaining people. Um, then we'd end up doing um, Zoom sessions or um, over WhatsApp or whatever, so they could watch us sign in and then you'd send the forms in. So it was, it was a little bit convoluted at times, um, but, you know, everybody sort of worked together, you know, to, to get these deals through. So I know people talk about solicitors sometimes, but they, they did help us out of a home. And, you know, our solicitor who, you know, obviously was representing us on the deals, but effectively sat on top of all of it to coordinate um, the, the final completion together was it was a start and, and and she was down to three days because of childcare. she had to take some time out so she was down to three days oh. um, but she still put the hours in and, and got us across the line uh, one day later so hey, if it would be if it was easy everyone would be doing it right <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah, but it feels good when you achieve it. Then, when it all comes together Absolutely. and it crosses the line, and uh, it's, it's worth it. And 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 that's 
you know, if I if I play that back to the corporate world, that's what was missing in the corporate world was that sense of achievement. You were never getting that um, you know closure or fulfillment at the end of it. It was just uh, just one treadmill that you were on all the time. So and also the um, sense that you know the amount of effort you put into this your business, you know you will see the rewards from that rather than just you know being unappreciated by just constantly putting in work and then not seeing anything absolutely. back from it. So yeah. Um, yeah, that that comes across and see that. And so you, where are you up to now? So you've completed on this? Yeah, we completed at the end of April. Um, And uh, there was uh, one managing agent who had been looking or letting agent who'd been looking after all of them. So um, sort of, of, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The the tenants, uh, for whatever reason, partly because the properties were run, run down and not maintained and partly because of the needs of the council, um, all of the tenants are uh, benefit or right. and they're not they're not just ordinary benefit tenants. Some of them have got some challenges and some extra support and all of this sort of thing. So it, it, we still haven't sorted all of the rents out and transferred them all over and, and done all of that. So it's, it's still quite complex. Mm. We don't. We haven't been able to meet most of the tenants because we can't go round the property that is full. We've still got um, six tenants in one of the properties. Um, we've we haven't. Oh, we popped our head in. Yeah, we did pop our head in to get to get a meter reading, and that's all we've done. Um, we haven't been able to go and, and have a look at the states or the done any inspections or anything like that. Um, and then on the other side, where the two that we can do the work on. One of them, we have an extremely challenging tenant in there who is causing a lot of havoc. So we can't even put new tenants into that block right. where there's two empty rooms and we can't do any work on the property either because he keeps wrecking everything. So um, we've had to, I guess, put close a, turn a blind eye to that one at this point. Um, and we put all of our attention into the one that we knew we had the most work to do on, had the least number of tenants in. Um, and then, of course, you hit the challenge around the contractors are furloughed or not working or you can't get the materials or, you know, those mm-hmm. sorts of challenges. So at this point, we are gathering quotes for that work. We started some of the work, but um, um, we have actually met two of the tenants in that. Mm-hmm. In the, and there's four tenants in there still. Um, and we've also we're, t- we're working and talking to the HMO officer who's helping us because they know they know these properties very well <laughs> well yeah. for some people they're probably thinking well yeah all fun and games that you know and, and people have probably had their own experiences of this if they're trying to do something similar at the moment um and for other people they'd be thinking oh this is my worst nightmare how are they doing this um but i guess for me you kind of have to look at this as it's a long term yes yeah. these are challenges now and but they're temporary and they're going to go away. And in a couple of months, when you sorted them out, you're going to have this amazing portfolio. So how do you see those challenges yourself? And how do you kind of deal with them? Because if you're, you know, the one answering the phone calls to these tenants and, uh, and trying to manage it all yourselves, you know, without a sort of intermediary, mm. then. I think, I think that comes back to the mindset challenges that we, that we, that we work on and we, we still work on. And you know, it's easy, it's easy to, um, see everything as a problem rather than the, rather than a challenge, and you know we we try to take it on and and have a view on well it's a it's a it's a challenge. What we're you know what's a, what's the solution? 
Um, you know, so if it, you know if you can't get the solicitors to do it the normal way, how can we do it differently? Um, and we've tried to use that in in our approach to to more assisting and, and stay positive. And I'm, I'm, again, we help each other through that process. So that because you you know you can't you can't be up all the time. You can't you can't ignore the issues all the time. Um, but very rarely would we would be down together. So we can support each other through that process. And yeah, there's um, going to be a point where you kind of have to compartmentalize it and say okay this is a business it's not my personal life it's you know part of what is to be expected in property it's just part yeah. of the business model yeah, and absolutely. that's it and, you know and, and we the, deal with it the next day and yeah and then the sort of thing of um, you know if you know we, we, we've always and being very detailed people we've always got a massive list of things to do but then it's about realizing what can you do um today and what what can you then what, what can you postpone and push off to tomorrow um, and, and then, you know, you, but you just keep keep going at it and, until you until you solve the problem. You know, because you know we've had other projects going on through this as well. This isn't the only thing yeah. we've been working on during lockdown. There's, you know, we've got at least three other projects that we've been pushing through. You know, wow. in, at different stages of um, and, and very different projects as well. And so. it's not where some people, you know, people aren't going to start with this. They're not going to start with three no. blocks of flats, are they? Um, no. And how do you see that your how you've built up with the rent to rents first and the uh, you know the the first buy to lets that you got originally? Do you see that as kind of part of the journey that's built your confidence to be able to go to the bigger mm-hmm. projects yeah. next level? Yeah, and it's, 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 they're all building blocks. And you know, when we coach people, you know, um, a lot of them, particularly now in the climate today, start with rent to rent. It's a great way to start. Uh, it's low low level of money required, uh, and then it's a matter of building. You know creating that building block and then looking where do you go next with it and you know, what do you add on to it. Um, so we've been through that, but we've, we've all, always continued to educate. We've had, you know, we started with some of the PIN stuff, but then we, we've had our own coaches outside of the PIN network who, you know, have helped us to get to another level. Um, we've worked with other organizations who, who have just added to that mix and added, added more, um, more knowledge, more, more information, even more culture into um, helping us to get to the next levels because I think you you can plateau quite quickly at the level and then it's all about how you break through to the next level and part of that is you know trying to understand you know how do you how do people think at that next level and how do you get to think like them what and the best you, way is to mix with them so yeah I was going to say so what, what do you advise people who feel like they are feel a bit stuck that there is they can see the next level but they just don't know how to get there or what to do. You know, it's beyond. Find, find people who are at that next level and, and work with them. You know, and either get them, you know, network with them or get them to be your coach or mentor or something, and and get over the fact that it costs money because that's and, yeah, it's back. an investment. Yeah. It has to it be an investment in yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can you can try and um, do it on your own, and you know, a lot of people probably possibly could, but they will make a lot more mistakes and it will take a lot longer. Yeah, so I think we see over and over again people coming in and saying, well, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't need anybody else. Um, but, uh, you know, one, one head, yes, you, could, you can do it and you can get all of that. Put two heads together and you can probably get three or four times the level um, that you could with just doing it on your own. And everything that we're doing today, we, we don't do it on our own. We haven't got the money ourselves to be able to do all of these things. We've had to work and find investors. You know, we're working with other people. We've got serviced accommodation in um, Paynton in Devon that we work as a team. And that, that is a really good wealth dynamics profile because we're all different ones on there. That works really, really well. And um, we're doing a, 
um, commercial to residential as well, where we're actually working with our builders. So they are our JV partners. Um, and, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to do all the things that we're doing without being able to work with other people. Yeah, it's really important. And, you know, people say to me all the time, well, you know, how can I get started without doing a course or whatever? And yeah, like you say, it is possible. And there's tons of free information out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just say, well, how's that going for you? You know, <laughs> it's, about, it's about taking some action. You know, um, yeah. It's so accountability, we, isn't it, as well? It's that it's that kind of accountability and structure that having someone who's more experienced, like, you, mm-hmm. you know, you say. And um, I just think, well, you know, you, if you're going to get into property, you're getting in it for the long term to earn money potentially mm-hmm. a lot of money you know if you're doing bigger flips and deals you're talking about potentially hundreds of thousands of pounds at mm-hmm. some stage well okay do you want to learn everything off google and facebook Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, the, and the education and coaching and mentoring will help you to avoid the big mistakes which i think is really important um, but you also have to accept that you will make mistakes along the way and you know it's just part of life you know it's part of learning and it's Rather looking at them as mistakes, you look at them as learnings, and then yeah. you move on to the next one. What you're trying to do is 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 keep them containable and small enough that they don't bankrupt you or whatever. Yeah. And, and and that's where I think the the education and support and comes into it in order to to avoid that big those big mistakes. So what are the, you know, are there any kind of challenges that you've come up, come up against, but that if you thought, do you know what, this just isn't worth it. I mean, we have made some decisions not to do certain things, but it comes back to the, well, how can we, or how can we not? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's the how part and who, and then the who, you know, who can help us do this or well, where can we go for that, that sort of um, knowledge, advice, or, you know, so we've sounded things out and we have walked away from things. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we, we have. It's the best I, I deal, isn't it? The, the best deals are the ones you don't do <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> well, potentially, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also, I mean, I think you speak to any investor and every single one of them will tell you they've got a lemon in their um, portfolio or maybe a couple. You know, I, you almost have to have those in order to have the badge to say that you've you know been there and done it. <laughs> and we, we have something that, yeah, we have a property that we just cannot... Um, we can't do anything creative with. We get some rent for it. It sort of washes its face. Um, but it was bought in the um, 2007, 2008 time. So it's it's never, because of where it's located, it's never reached its um, the price that we paid for it. No. So it's in negative equity all the time. So And it's in Scotland. So it's, it's not like you can't even do a purchase lease option or anything yeah. creative on yeah. it. So. We didn't have a lot of knowledge at the time. We and, didn't, uh, no. yeah. We've never actually seen the property. <laughs> We wouldn't, we, we wouldn't advise that to anybody so. no. <laughs> you live and learn hey? <laughs> absolutely yeah. different time different strategies absolutely great well um where can people find out more about what you're up to and uh, uh you know maybe about the coaching and uh and your projects obviously we've got the magazine article out but um is it linkedin or facebook Best place um yeah we're not we're not tremendously active on on social media um um you can get us we have a um, website that which um um called procube services which we do a little bit with um but i, I guess we've become a bit lazy with that as we've um as, as we've uh, found lots of other ways of securing market stuff um probably the best thing is, is for people to email us if they want you know and yeah you know have a chat we're we're open to talk to people um you know we do 
because you could also turn around and say, well, you can get lots of time wasters doing that sort of thing. So generally, if someone wants to chat with us, we'll ask them to do something, something very simple. And if they don't do it, then they don't get to talk to us. So Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fair. <laughs> Time's, you know, precious and you've worked very hard to get to this point. And mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, really inspiring to hear your story. And it's great to actually, I think you're the first, you know, kind of couple to uh, that I've interviewed on here where, You've just got that shared vision, the shared goals. You're working together, you know, to uh, to achieve the, you know, the dreams. So it's incredible, yeah. you know, in such a short period of time to to see what you've achieved and against the odds in lockdown as well. So well done. Yeah, we just want to go off and travel a bit more now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stymied, we were going to be travelling this year, and we can't oh. now. So yeah. Well, well, hopefully for, you know, next year or next year, yeah. soon if possible. Yeah, you have lots to look forward to. Brilliant. Okay, well, it's a good place to wrap it up, I think. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. And, um, thank you everyone for listening. If there is anyone who's listening who is not a subscriber to the magazine, then please click in the show notes for your free magazine and that can be sent out to you. But um, I think that's all for today. So take care, guys, and speak to you soon. Thank you.